Hey, Junior, we don't want to miss our curtain. I hope you've got Hertz number one club gold. Well, not exactly, but this company's fast. Oh, sure. Can't we skip the rental counter like it hurts? Well, not exactly. Duh. Hey, genius, I'm waterlogged. Doesn't your company have a canopy like Hertz? Well, not exactly. Remember, there's Hertz and there's not exactly. Choose the right one. So you still think I'm the dummy? Not exactly. Uh, but I, I, I Googled him. I didn't really want to know what his whole shtick was, because once I know, it's going to be bad, right? Yeah, you wanted, you wanted to go in cold. Yeah, so that he was like, oh, he's a, he's a ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm not going to prejudge, like, that is an art form in a lot of ways. <laughs> but then I remembered, I don't know if you're, if Tuffy played this show, but Hugbear had a show at the Neon Venus, and we had a ventriloquist there that someone oh. had found on Craigslist. Were you at that show? No, I I mean like I know uh I know Tuffy and Hugbear had a regular show right. at Neon Venus. I don't and there were two other groups there as well. I don't remember I don't ever remember seeing a ventriloquist. Okay, okay. So we had been struggling so much to get an audience that wasn't the team that was playing before us right. would leave. Yeah, would I, def- leave. I definitely remember that. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think somebody from my team went on Craigslist and wanted to make... Oh, it was Matt Portman. Hi, Matt Portman. Of course. He wanted to... What's up, Matt Portman? He wanted to we know make... you listen to this. <laughs> he wanted to make it a variety show, and uh-huh. we were all about it. And, or it was, you know, some other team. Who knows? But I distinctly remember Matt Portman being excited about a variety show. And this guy showed up who said he was a ventriloquist. And the team that had gone first had left. They were just like, fuck you, I'm out. And so it was us, Hugbear, alone, watching this ventriloquist. And he was holding this, like, tiny little thing. And his name was Mr. Peepee? The, the dummy's name was Mr. Peepee. Yeah. The t- okay. That wasn't, like, the performer's stage name or anything. No, but Mr. Pee-Pee, every time this guy would say something, he would lower Mr. Pee-Pee's pants and he would pee water all over Holy the stage. He peed water all over the stage. And he'd be like, oh, no, Mr. Pee-Pee. And we'd be like, what the fuck? And then it was our turn to go, but that team had already left, and so it was him and Mr. PP watching us perform, <laughs> and Mr. PP would laugh and pee himself <laughs> when he liked what we were doing. It was really awful. So that's the only experience that I have with ventriloquists. So I feel like my bar was already pretty low. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty low. Thank you, Nadia. I uh, I am just proud to be podcasting in the greatest country in the world, uh, the United States of America. Ah, uh, yes, these colors do not run. <laughs> um, I feel uh, today is going to be a very interesting episode because we're discussing, uh, first of all, our first stand-up special. 
It's huge, yes. huge deal. And secondly, it is not just any stand-up special. It is involving puppetry. Uh, yeah, we're looking at Spark of Insanity from 2007, written and performed by the uh, phenomenally <laughs> and I would say obscenely successful mm -hmm. ventriloquist Jeff Dunham, directed by uh, Michael Simon. I, I just want to, just real quick, Nadia, I want to talk <laughs> about how successful Jeff Dunham is. Okay. Um, this special aired in 2007. Um, I remember it specifically being on Comedy Central maybe 10 times a day. What? Uh, when I was in college. Wow, yeah. Okay. And um, Jeff Dunham is currently the top grossing stand-up act in North America. He uh, is touring constantly and has a residency at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. What? Which is a... 4,300 seat theater that he sells out a couple times a month. Are you serious? Um, I am dead serious. Wow. He, I, re I researched ticket prices for Caesar's Palace, which has ruined, by the way, all of my ads. Uh, <laughs> but You gotta clear your cookies, dude. The the cheapest seats I could find were $60 Whoa. Uh, today. How far um, back were they? They were, they were in the back. They went, uh, the highest ticket price are around $300. Jeez. He has sold... Millions of DVDs, millions of dollars more in merch. He is the third, um, I believe, all-time highest-paid comedian in the U.S. behind Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock. What? The year, yes, the year after this special came out, that year he made $30 million. Oh, my God. Uh, by comparison, the contract that LeBron James just signed with the Lakers uh, has him making $38 million a year, so... Ten years ago, Jeff Dunham was almost making LeBron money doing ventriloquism. Uh, oh my god, he, LeBron money. <laughs> he had the single most watched telecast of any kind on Comedy Central when he released Jeff Dunham, a very special Christmas special. Uh, he had a short-lived sitcom on Comedy Central. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, that uh, opened in October 2009. It was the most watched premiere in the history of the channel oh my god um, and then this uh this special we'll be talking about spark of insanity the tour for spark of insanity played in 386 theaters and holds the guinness world record for most tickets sold for a stand-up tour oh my god you know what's and it's sound it sounds like you didn't know any of that I, you know what's funny is uh i wasn't really into the Comedy Central channel for a long time, but I remember seeing the ads for his show. Uh -huh. So when you said that, it like sparked my memory. So I guess I have heard about him. I just never had any desire to find out who he is. <laughs> oh my God, but I should have. He's huge. He's he's enormous in terms of success for a stand-up comedian. And, and when... When we talked about this episode, I was like, I want to do a stand-up special. And there were a couple ways you could go with that. You could go with, like, you could do a comedian who, like, was really popular and has since fallen from grace. And there are, unfortunately, a couple of those uh, that uh, have fallen from grace in the past year. Uh, and then the other way, which I think is a lot more fun, is to look at a comedian who was and is really successful, wow. but nobody ever talks or thinks about them. Yeah. Well, I mean, is this somebody that you want to be, like, really openly supportive of? <laughs> <laughs> like, earnestly, I'm asking. <laughs> he says some pretty fucked up shit. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm a fan. I'm not a Jeff Dunham fan. Yeah. But I think it's so... 
I am just mesmerized. Well, a couple, you know, we'll get into it in a few minutes, but like, first of all, you know, his writing is terrible. Right. Like, we're not recommending this special, folks. This is real bad. <laughs> yeah, um, it's really bad. I, I will say, as a ventriloquist, I think he's fantastic. Are you, um, are you sure? In, I don't think he actually is, because I see his mouth moving all the time. In, I think in terms of, first of all, he makes his puppets himself. Wow. Uh, and I think that uh, all of them, with the exception of Peanut and Jose, we'll talk about this later, mm. but all of them, with the exception of Peanut and Jose, are actually, like, very mechanically um, complicated, and or complex, I should say, and... Uh, and have a lot of interesting features, and I think, I don't know, I think he throws his voice real well. Yeah, that um, was actually the only part of the special that I actually liked, when he threw his voice. We'll talk about it, I'm sure. But it, I that was the part where I was like, okay, I get it, but why is he using his powers for evil? <laughs> um, well... <laughs> um, it also bears mentioning... Uh, it, it, Comedy Central in 2007 wasn't good. Yeah, um, yeah. Wasn't it we just like reruns of SNL for most of the day? It, it was reruns of Mad TV. It was um, South Park was paying a lot of the bills at that point. Um, <laughs> and then you had like this and um, the Blue Collar Comedy Tour were both really big at the same time. Oh, I remember that one um, more specifically. Wow. Okay, so this was yes. post 9-11, obviously, because it was 2007. I didn't know yes. that the crazy patriotic these colors don't run crowd was kind of in i guess entertainment zeitgeist yeah for this long well, like i thought it well, was until like maybe 2004 but i guess i forgot bush got nominated or got a second term yeah no we all forgot that um <laughs> and, and uh, i have my i have my whole thing here about comedy after 9-11 do you want to talk about yeah. it yeah oh this okay. is probably really hard to research and kind of yeah. stomach so obviously you know we talk about 9-11 a lot on this show <laughs> uh, and, we don't <laughs> if this is and, your first uh, episode that you're listening to we really don't i would say like 9-11 investigations is like the secondary purpose of this podcast. <laughs> the prime, the primary purpose of course is being an extension of the Catholic liturgy of the hours. Right. And then <laughs> really our tertiary purpose is, uh, to use words uh, celebrating. like tertiary. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Celebrating comedy that has aged very poorly and me being pretentious. <laughs> um, but this is maybe the fourth time you've th mentioned that you are pretentious. So I feel like we need to do a spinoff <laughs> podcast of just like all the parts of the podcast where it's you're being pretentious. It's just me talking about David Foster Wallace <laughs> for three hours at a time. Oh um, yeah, David Eggers. You could. <laughs> throwing out names <laughs> if you, yeah those are those are all names of people that i've read um you can you can slice the history of comedy a million different ways of course but looking at comedy immediately after 9-11 is very interesting and when i say immediately i mean like in the two weeks after 9-11 yeah they had an episode of snl that aired that same saturday exactly yes yeah. so so um there was a lot of hand-wringing um around what is it okay to make jokes about? Right. Is it okay to make jokes about uh, George Bush because he was a really good person to make fun of <laughs> during the presidential campaign in the first few months of his presidency, but now is that out of place because we, you know, we're subjected to this attack and we're about to go to war? Um, is it okay to make jokes about 
terrorism and terrorists or is that um is that too dark or is that too soon um and nadia you brought up kind of one of the first instances instances of a big comedy institution coming back uh on the air after 9-11 which was saturday night live um the uh show was introduced by rudy giuliani which is also aged super well (laughs) and uh paul simon played the boxer uh, live on stage at the beginning in front of a bunch of um, firefighters and first responders. Uh, you know, Lorne Michaels came out and Giuliani was like, well, take it away, Lorne. And Lorne is like, can we be funny? And Rudy, Rudy said, why start now? <laughs> uh, Pretty good. And then um, the follow, that was, by the way, that the post 9-11 show, that was Amy Poehler's first show. Um, oh my God, I forgot about yeah. that. That's so cool. God, she's such a freaking legend. She is. That was um, great. This, the second episode of SNL after um, 9-11 had a sketch I really liked, which was um, an office where they were doing Wear Something Patriotic Day. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Will Ferrell came in in a half shirt and uh, striped Speedo. Oh, that's such a <laughs> classic. I can't believe it. That was only two weeks after. And it was a good instance of, like, what it was okay to laugh at early on right after 9-11 right um because it was like oh we're laughing at ourselves and kind of our own nervousness and our own desire to show that we're patriotic Mm -hmm. and kind of some of the fear that we have in this very uncertain time um another comedy institution that came back relatively quickly after 9-11 was the daily show with john stewart um that was less of a surprise than snl (laughs) yes but uh they the writers went back and forth. They literally, I did not know this, literally considered changing the format of the show to a parody of a morning show because they felt a parody of a news show might be too heavy <laughs> post 9-11. Um, there's a story about Stephen Colbert like in the writer's room saying, I'm legitimately asking if a pie in the face is still funny. I don't know. Um, John Stewart gave a really heartfelt speech. At the end, they just brought out John's dog because they're like, we can just look at this dog and <laughs> that would feel good. Yeah, I mean, it was a really hard time in general because I think around that time was when the 24-hour news cycle was really picking up as a culture. Absolutely. So, you know, you couldn't really get away from 9-11 coverage despite a lot of people being like, you know what, we're bombarded and this is we're getting depressed as a society, which sounds very familiar. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But there was no escape. Obviously, there was no Twitter yet, right? That was Facebook. Right. Yeah, there, well, um, in 2001, there wasn't Facebook, and it would be another five years before you could even get on it without an EDU address. Um, there was one other show I wanted to call out that came back after 9-11, and I would say did it wrong, uh, and that would be a talk show that used to be on ABC called Politically Incorrect, oh, no. which was hosted by Bill Maher, oh, no. who is a, a piece of shit, yeah. uh, and who said uh, on his show, quote, well, basically saying, it words to the effect of we shouldn't call the terrorists cowards because, quote, we have been the cowards lobbing cruise missiles from 2,000 miles away, staying in the airplane when it hits the building. Say what you want about it. It's not cowardly. And Nadia, this may surprise you, but that did not go over well no. uh, with viewers and sponsors. Uh, ABC fired Meyer, who went to HBO. ABC actually put a late night talk show in the spot called Jimmy Kimmel Live. <laughs> uh, it's interesting, uh, the year after that, 2002, um, there was an HBO special called Robin Williams Live on Broadway, um, which is, I think, one of the first specials where there was just a lot of material that 
made fun of Bush and Cheney and Rumsfeld Ooh, yeah. after 9-11. Mm-hmm. And a lot of material that made fun of Bin Laden in, in ways that, you know, were kind of tasteless, um, probably in retrospect. Yeah, see, a lot see, of talk what, about. what you got to do is, yeah. is do it like the Lonely Island and make fun of Bin Laden 15 years later. Exactly. And pop star with this song called, what was it? Fuck Bin Laden. Uh, fuck me like he, the U.S. <laughs> fuck Bin Laden. That's one of the best songs on the whole soundtrack. The, but the, it, it, is, it was tastefully it made and tastefully further enough away from both 9-11 and the death of Osama Bin Laden that it's now okay. Because yeah. once, once Bin Laden died in uh, 2010... Uh, they were like, oh, we got to reset the jokes another five years. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, by the time we get to Spark of Insanity, um, 2006, 2007, we were all fine at this point, making fun <laughs> of George W. Bush. Patton Oswalt did his bit on Bush and Cheney are like the Dukes of Hazard. Mike Birbiglia did the uh, Wiffle Ball Tony bit, which is very funny. And then my personal favorite, Stephen Colbert, um, first of all, got his own show, and it was awesome, but he also did the White House Correspondents Association dinner in character, uh, which remains, you know, probably the only performance at the White House Correspondents Association dinner that was good. Yeah. Um, so this was a time when we were okay with poking fun at our president. We're okay with being pointed about it. This is, this is what... (laughs) <laughs> this is what everyone was asking then, and honestly, what everyone is asking now is, how do you make comedy in a time when everything is terrifying? Yeah, actually, in tw- in 2007, I feel like that's when pop culture got also terrifying and just as terrible. Uh, if, if you recall, around 2001 is when like PerezHilton.com and TMZ.com got really, really big, and everybody was all about celebrities it was the time of paris hilton uh britney spears's mental breakdown lindsay lohan's mental breakdown anna nicole smith died that year like it was like everything was wild and then the iphone made it easier for people to get information more quickly so like for the former current events of this specific year like everything was really really wild it it was (laughs) it was like not i remember that time and I don't remember it very fondly because people were really mean on the internet. Uh, that was when it was like trolling started online and, yes. and, all, and like memes started to happen. And I have a whole little history of memes at the time because now we're in the 2000s and I can talk about memes. Uh, oh, by all means. Yeah, but like this also started the golden age of television because The Sopranos had ended and Mad Men began. So while everything was kind of like swirling around in shitty celebrity culture, really good TV was coming out. (laughs) And people were like, yeah, like our standards are getting higher. And so, you know, with more comedies that came out that year was like Knocked Up, The B Movie, like (laughs) these really good movies are coming out. The the B movie, like the Jerry Seinfeld B movie? Yeah, it came out that year and it was a huge hit. Huge hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely huge. So like people were like changing the way they were seeing what was entertainment. It was all about uh, calling people out for being stupid, like the uh, Miss South Carolina for the Miss America. Oh, that was the same year. That was the same year. She was the very first viral meme of a video that like people actually remember. I don't remember if uh, I don't know if you guys remember. It's the the lady where she's like, I personally believe U.S. Americans <laughs> uh, most uh, don't have maps, yeah. and everyone likes such as to, yeah, such as uh, the Iraq and <laughs> uh, Africa. Yeah. 
But like, this is when pop culture got a little more mean-spirited. So people were rooting for Britney Spears to have her mental breakdown because she was young and for some reason they thought she deserved to be punished for being famous. I don't know. But uh, I think the mean culture kind of stems from everybody just being so traumatized by 9-11 and not having a really good, uh, like, America doesn't have any other reaction than to be like, well, we're going to fight you. There was no. (laughs) So I think I think all of us kind of just got very aggro online, especially. It it was either we're going to fight you or we're going to watch TV. Those are our two default modes. Yeah, because it's the golden age of television. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, and, you know, people were looking at lolcats a lot that year. Oh, sure. Keyboard Cat was one of the most visited websites. Uh, the, the, this is one of the first viral phrases. Don't tase me, bro. It, wa- it was a wild time online. It was a wild well, time on the 24-hour news cycle. It was a wild time on the, in the meme land. And, you know, movies were getting more raunchy. Uh, and uh, you know another thing about how the world was kind of topsy turvy was the Time Magazine's Person of the Year that year in two thousand seven was Vladimir Putin. Oh, that's right. So we're all fucked up as a country. Full, full circle. <laughs> full circle. Uh, this is this is a podcast. It's not a visual medium, but just so you guys know, there's a chalkboard up in uh, the room where I'm recording, and I've got pieces of string. Uh, tied to thumbtacks, just all the pictures of various members of the U.S. cabinet. We're connecting dots here. <laughs> oh, I forgot one meme meme history fact. Uh, Rick Rowling was born that year. Oh, it's so sweet. I'm glad I made a comeback. I hope this Rick guy is getting a lot of money from all these Rick Rolls. Uh, he probably wasn't then. Um, I don't know how well you, how how good YouTube was at monetizing stuff then. Yeah. Um, they're better about it now and uh, in some cases i would say monetize some people that perhaps should not be making money off of the things they say online yeah uh so uh you know like i would how say jeff dunham shouldn't be making so much money off the, the things his puppets say okay but ventriloquism you have to understand it's a craft yeah <laughs> and you know what it wasn't even him it was his puppets these are the opinions of the puppets okay <laughs> don't be too hard on jeff um Okay, but, and again, um, just to emphasize, uh, Spark of Insanity, uh, which I had seen in in parts and pieces over the past ten years, but had never seen the entire special start to finish. Really? That's funny, because um, that was my experience watching it. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't make it through one sitting. It took me three days. Uh, <laughs> and I was mad um, that I had to finish it. <laughs> it's it's not good. Um, but can we, uh, can we talk about the special? Yeah. I uh, uh, hated can it. Can we talk? Can we talk about? Can we talk about the audience first? Yeah, I thought the audience. There's no way that they were laughing that hard, and the it had to laughter have, from the audience is insane. I, I, I uh, parts of it I don't believe. I feel like they were added in post. I also feel like some of the reactions for certain jokes were copy and pasted for others because certain people <laughs> were laughing a little too hard. There's an applause break maybe every 45 seconds in this special. It was the longest thing I've ever watched. <laughs> and I want to be clear. Uh, I think, like, on the Facebook page for the podcast, what I want to do, I need to find them first, but I want to find my old stand-up videos from college. <laughs> and 
and then just edit in the laugh track from this special. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Instead of me just eating shit for five minutes talking about Project Runway or whatever. um, (laughs) It's topical at the time. It's okay. Just but yeah, just put in um put in an applause break. Well, I mean, you I think your first mistake was to not have puppets because the audience in the Jeff Dunham show really fucking love puppets. He like he said even said like, well, yeah, let's just get to the people you really want to see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, he comes out what? and he said and and the the theater's going insane. Yeah. This is the most hyped up crowd I have ever seen on video of a stand-up special. Theater's going insane, and he sa- he comes out at first by himself, and he says, "You can't fool me. I know every little bit of that is for the guys in the suitcase." Which, right there, <laughs> class act and ventriloquism. You thank the puppets first. <laughs> <laughs> credit where credits due, man. Well, it was interesting because I thought that he, as a stand-up, like without the puppets, was was terrible, and I, I, was, <laughs> and I was like. How is this going to get any better with these puppets? And then he brought out his first ugly puppet. And I was just like, oh, my God. And that's when I put it on pause and continued with my day. <laughs> I, think, I think what's what's great about all of his jokes and what's really um, – and it's especially true for – he, he does about a 15-minute, 15, 15 to 20-minute set by himself before he brings a single puppet out. And I think uh, he, what's great is kind of the freshness and the originality of the material. Oh, yeah. You know, driving a Prius makes you gay. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, his, having, how he loves... Having a tiny dog makes you gay. Yeah, having the tiny dog piss on your wife is actually great yeah. <laughs> because you're mad at her. Um. Also, by the way, his, so his wife owns a Chihuahua. He has a golden retriever, and he says, you know, he he does a lot of shitting on the Chihuahua for being small. And he's like, my golden retriever is eighty pounds. Now that is a dog, ladies and gentlemen. And there's another applause break. Yeah, yeah, it is really wild. And he said he compared the Chihuahua to one of his stools at one point, and the crowd lost it. They started hooting and hollering. And I was like, where are they? And then I remembered they were in D.C. Yes. Well, it's the capital, once again, of the, the greatest country in the world. Right, right. Um, as soon as he said that, because, like I said, I, I never heard any of his stand-up. I, all I knew was that he was a ventriloquist, and <laughs> I didn't know what kind, and now I know it's a racist one. He was so racist. <laughs> um, well, what's interesting is, um, he was not racist right away. No, I no, think. no. He started with gas prices because we could all relate. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, just goes right into, um, yeah, it goes right into, hey, the gas prices everywhere are terrible, right? And like I said, all of the jokes are just, they are so bland, <laughs> so um, just kind of meant to be like, I guess, inoffensive. They're just meant to be very broad but then like every time you think like okay this is just an innocent guy trying to just win over a crowd i get it like he all he he then just steers it into a gay joke again yeah and i'm it, and i'm it, like he drives a blue prius and he's like although the color's not blue it's more like blue and he you know <laughs> says it in a says it in a stereotypical oh. gay voice you know has his limp wrist and so embarrassing. Uh, it's so it's so embarrassing. 
person. Well, if he's not making a gay joke, he's making a fart noise because that crowd loves flatulence. Like, they were going nuts every time he'd go. <laughs> yeah, and so that, I think that that's a good segue into our first puppet. Oh, uh, yeah, it's my boy Walter. It's Walter, uh, an old man in a sweater vest. Walter is one of the veterans of Jeff Dunham's act. Um, I actually, if you remember, Nadia, I texted you a couple days ago. I sent you a Hertz ad that Jeff Dunham did, like, maybe 20 years ago, and it's him and Walter talking about renting a car. Um, and, and by the way, he is still not the most offensive person Hertz has picked as a spokesman, because their most famous spokesman is still O.J. Simpson. Oh, shit! (laughs) The juice! But... It, by the way, it took me embarrassingly long to figure out that he his nickname was Juice because his initials were OJ. <laughs> this is why we're friends. Like, I find that like, so endearing. <laughs> like, I figured it out, like, maybe six months ago. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Well, okay, so before we get into Walter, I just want to establish oh. a little bit about what we find funny so far okay. as, a, as a crowd. So, so far, uh, emotional abuse of a partner is hilarious, which, uh, which is Very funny. calling his wife Shamu, definitely. Oh, God. Definitely great. Uh, we also, uh, homophobia, it's great. Uh, he says that his dog is the Richard Simmons of canines, and that he kicks Richard Simmons across the fence. So, there's that. <laughs> Dog is the Richard Simmons of canines in as much, like, this is 2007, so I guess just in as much as the dog is gay. Right, 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 right. Uh, but I just want to... Not, not like the dog went missing and we're worried about him? No, 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 no. Uh, okay. But another thing is just in general, this is, eight, I think, 18 minutes of dog jokes, so we all find dog humor super funny. Like, the, yeah. it's not just, like, one joke, it's, like, the whole first half, because he wants us to like him. Yes, it it is such a clear and very earnest attempt to be likable and charming. Right. Doesn't come off charming, but I get it. Right. <laughs> with, with better writing, he could have maybe pulled it off. His stage presence is, I would say, fine. Right. Um, but it's just the writing is so unbelievably... Um, I guess lazy yeah uh, it's kind of yeah. I, I mean i didn't want to make any preconceived judgments <laughs> about the crowd once he started to get into the stuff about how he loved america and everybody screamed but <laughs> but it's not surprising that most of the things people laughed at were horrible and they're racist and yeah. that makes me sad <laughs> But, like, when he started, when he took out Walter and started talking shit about Florida, I was like, okay, now I'm on board. I'm, yeah, I'm back no. in. Yeah, so, uh, so Walter, um, Walter is an old man. Uh, no, he's a grumpy he's an old man. old man puppet. Let's he's, not sorry. forget, let's not personify the puppet, because so, <laughs> that's what he wants. So, uh, folks, yeah, so in the next, uh, for the remainder of the podcast, if I refer, if I refer to... Any other characters on stage besides Jeff Dunham <laughs> know that they are puppets. <laughs> Don't forget, because I forgot sometimes when I was watching. <laughs> um, so uh, Walter, uh, Walter's got some really, again, like some really speaking truth to power stuff. Things like, uh, oh yeah, I stood in front of the IRS building and just flipped them off. And uh, oh, yeah. why doesn't why doesn't Green Bay put a roof on their stadium? It's so cold there. 
There's that wasn't a setup to a punchline. That was the setup and the punchline. <laughs> that was both parts of the. People joke. lost their shit on that one though. They went insane. Every the when he said, um, "I get screwed on my taxes every year, so it's come to visit. The, it's fun to come visit the source." I stood in front of the IRS building and just flipped them off. Applause break Applause again. Break. Yeah, I was. I was like, I guess I get it. But <laughs> uh, when he talks about how people in Florida are idiots, and he's like, "I say just leave it to the Cubans and get the hell out." Uh, Applause break. Yeah, he loved that one. Uh, there's a cameraman, and uh, sorry, I just have to take back my earlier statement. The cameraman is a human being; he's not a puppet. <laughs> Uh, the cameraman is a real boy uh there's a cameraman on stage um as well like getting kind of a side shot of the whole thing and walter does some like i guess we'd call it maybe crowd work he does some reacting to the cameraman this lasts um, for like 10 minutes yeah just mugs to the camera for a while um crowd again just eats it up yeah and then and then he tells stories about how he hates living in florida be uh, what was it because oh because girls gone wild were f- was filming there and he's like yeah but the women in florida it's called girls gone saggy then girls gone senile then girls gone and everyone's like people ah! <laughs> people in florida get old and and die uh it's like every every single joke throughout this special needs to end with like the the Pat Monahan style folks, just, <laughs> just and then just girls gone. It's folks. It's so, uh, it's it's so lazy, and not even funny. But people think it's funny, and I'm I I kind of don't get it. Am I okay? So I I want to hop ahead for a second to one of the <laughs> reviews that I read because I want to yes. I want to look at. I want to look at the rest of this through the lens of this statement, okay? Oh, please, please do. Okay. Uh, Dunham haters tell themselves. This is from the New York Times. <laughs> <laughs> if you can believe it. I love I love that the New York Times ran an article that contained the phrase, Dunham haters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is by Neil Jenslinger. <clears throat> the article is called, No Puppet to Political Correctness, Okay. <laughs> All right, this is, this is going to be fucking crazy for you, okay. Dunham haters tell themselves the difference between Mr. Dunham's use of stereotypes and the use of the same stereotypes by Mr. Stewart. This is referring to Jon Stewart, uh, making, oh, fun of, making fun of red state people, is something like this. Mr. Dunham is exaggerating stuff because his audience thinks it's real. Mr. Stewart is exaggerating stuff because people like Jeff Dunham's fans think it's real and they're stupid for thinking that. So that is why, according to this Neil guy, we don't find it funny or we do find it funny because we're laughing at his fans for finding it funny, even though it's not funny. Does that make sense? It's a fucking hall of mirrors over here. Hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm deciphering it. Yeah, I, th- I think it makes sense. All right, sense. Let, me, think, let me try that again. Uh, let me try that again. Yeah, okay. hit, hit me again. Yeah. Okay, so in the article, they were talking about uh, John Stewart, and I'll tell you, yeah. I'll tell you exactly what. Oops. So, I'm sorry. So this was an article in the New York Times. I assume a review. This is a review that, of his book, of Jeff Dunham's book, because of, of, of course of, he has a book. Of course he has a book. Right. Uh, he probably has more than one. Um, right. So review of Dunham. 
that compared him to John Stewart. It compared him to John Stewart and Lewis Black because it was talking about offensiveness. So, okay. uh, so he okay. he says, is what Jeff Dunham writes equally or more offensive to what's already on TV? And so he listed three quotes from three different from three different things or five different things that have happened on TV in comedy in the last year or whatever. And then mm-hmm. we're supposed to decide by least offensive to most offensive where this lies. But he just used yeah. Jeff Dunham and his puppets. But he was like, psych, not all of this was Jeff Dunham. It was Jon Stewart on The Daily Show. It was Lewis Black and his special. So who's to say that Jeff Dunham is the most offensive when these guys are also being offensive? But the only yeah. difference is, is, quote, Dunham haters tell themselves that the difference between Mr. Dunham's use of stereotypes and the use of the same stereotypes by Mr. Stewart is something like this. Mr. Dunham is exaggerating stuff because his audience thinks it's real. Mr. Stewart is exaggerating stuff because people like Jeff Dunham's fans think it's real and they're stupid for thinking that. Yeah, so a a couple things. First of all, Mr. Reviewer, don't, like, don't try to be Atticus Finch when you're reviewing (laughs) a ventriloquism act. Uh, Don't don't be like, oh, yeah, you think that's offensive? Psych! John Stewart bust up that chiffero. Well, I just but I also the... want to read the last paragraph of this review that immediately follows what I just read, which is quote okay. or as a disapproving commenter named Mr. Chia put it under one of Mr. Dunham's YouTube videos. <laughs> I'm assuming that most of Jeff Dunham's fans are dumb. That kind of elitism is its own stereotype. As offensive as anything Mr. Dunham has done on the air. I no, I get what he's saying. He's saying that he's saying that you and me being mad that Jeff Dunham is successful is why Trump won. <laughs> However, yeah, he retroactively wrote this in uh, 2009. Yeah, this is actually actually it's a Brett Stevens op-ed in the New York Times today. I don't here's here's the the biggest issue the, the biggest thing I take issue with in that review and I'm really glad you brought it up at this point. Um I don't consider any of these jokes so far that we've covered, like, seriously offensive. I consider them lazy yeah, uh, and poorly written. Mm-hmm. I do not think and lame. that... Uh, and lame. <laughs> like, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, Jeff Dunham's pushing boundaries, but it's not okay when he does it because Red State America likes him. Right. And like, well, one of these jokes is Walter farts and he says, <laughs> we're in D.C., that was a veto. And that gets an applause break. Yeah, it's like suddenly your racist uncle from Thanksgiving is like really famous. Yeah. And it's... all the other racist uncles and aunts are there to see him. And that's what this is. <laughs> but like when my when my racist uncle, I, I probably have to specify, but when one of my racist uncles <laughs> says, says something racist, um, it, like... My knee-jerk reaction is I was like, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, like it's it's um, I'm I'm not. There was stuff in this special that I was like, yeah, he probably shouldn't have written that or told that joke because it's dumb. Right. Not like not like wow, that really um violated some sort of um some sort of unspoken rule or unspoken right. boundary. Well, I mean, we haven't gotten like to that. the rest of the puppets though. Yeah, no, there's 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 other puppets where I might say that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, though, because, uh, like we were saying, they're very lazy jokes. 
I will give you an example to the people who actually didn't watch this. <laughs> Bless you. I wish I Which could. we hope is most of you. <clears throat> yeah, but he had a pull my finger joke that also had an <laughs> applause break. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> just, folks, mentally add an applause break to every joke we quote. Yeah. Uh, because... Because that's basically what happened. Please edit that yeah, in in um, post. Just like long yeah. applause breaks. People are like, I had to stop <laughs> listening to this episode because it was unbearable. It's like, oh, that's how it's I like, felt watching this special. It's like, oh, they're doing a Jeff Dunham special. That's cool. Hey, why is this episode four hours long? <laughs> because we're trying to make up for the fact that he does a really bad Indian accent at one point as Walter. Yes. Yes. So Walter, um, Walter recounts a story where he and Jeff go through TSA um, and Walt and they open the suitcase and Walter's in there and Walter like fakes just a generic pan Arab accent to get detained at security. Um, and this is the first uh, of about 3000 Islamophobic jokes. Right. But it's interesting because in the, 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 the accent for this like pseudo Arab person sounded a lot like a poo from the quickie mart. Which was even more mm. offensive because it's like you're not even getting, you're not even trying. You're not even trying. No. <laughs> yeah. Brown people just all just have an accent that like sounds like a poo. Thanks a lot, Hank Azaria. <laughs> first, first rule of stereotyping: do some fucking research. Come on, man. Like, just, at least, um, at least you're so lazy you can't even research the accent. Come on. Uh, was it, oh, they think they get 72 virgins when they, uh, when they do a suicide bombing. 72 virgins? Why not 72 slutty broads who know what the hell they're doing? Oh, yeah, uh, because he didn't want to actually teach 72 women how to have sex, and I just wrote, ugh, men are gross. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a gross, disgusting way of seeing women, by the way. Yes. Wow. Yes. And he has daughters um, that he talked about. I was so angry. Walter or Jeff? <laughs> Jeff, remember, Sorry. Walter is a puppet. <laughs> I'm very confused. Uh, no, um, yes, that, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up because there was a 72 Virgins joke in the Robin Williams Live on Broadway special, which was um, very similar, uh, which is which is like people, the uh, terrorists believe that when, if they die uh, killing infidels, they will uh, be greeted in heaven by 72 virgins. I know anyone here who's been with one virgin is like, oh, I don't know about that. Oh, that's so messed up. Yeah. Ugh, we can talk um, about the politics, uh, sexual politics of virginity anytime if anyone wants to message me about that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> let's talk uh, about suicide bombers. <laughs> yeah, suicide bombers and Viagra. We get to talk about Viagra right. a little bit. Well, the, the interesting bit that I think got uh, the most applause for no reason, was the part where he would shout unintelligible words and then make explosion sounds in order to kind of simulate yes. the the shouts of the terrorists before they die. Yeah. And that went on for, like, seven minutes. Just like, um, just like kind of Urdu-sounding gibberish, um, and then explosion sounds. And yes, that is a joke he repeats maybe a dozen times it, it, like, with multiple for a puppets long time. <laughs> um yes uh and now he <sighs> he uh i want to say this and i don't want you to misinterpret what i'm saying oh okay i think the way he operates the walter puppet physically 
is very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's a great puppeteer. Yes. I don't yes. think he's a great ventriloquist. I've seen, okay. I've seen, you know, Mr. Pee Pee was really much better. <laughs> fair, fair enough. But, but masterful. I felt like they were alive. All of his physical reactions to the audience, I think, were really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and his physical reactions to Jeff, like when he, like, turns and gives side-eye to Jeff. And, and um, Walter and then uh, Ahmed and Melvin, who are going to be the next two puppets, are all very complex puppets. They all have, like, eyebrows that move mm-hmm. and make them look very expressive. Um, Jeff Dunham, like, makes Walter lean over and fart at one point, and it's actually... Although it's a very stupid joke, it's actually very well done from a physical perspective. Absolutely. Yeah, I thought um, I thought they were... I, I mean, like I said, I forgot they were puppets because he did such an excellent job. And then you kind of forget that his, you know, mouth is moving. <laughs> okay, so that's fair. I, I am willing to concede that he is not a good ventriloquist. <laughs> I feel... You're allowed to think puppeteer. it. It's fine. He's a good... He is a good puppeteer. I think that's more what I meant. Okay, though. okay, okay. Well, I think it's um, um uh, I think it's very ta- a talented person can can only pull that off. I'm not saying that Jeff Dunham is not talented in any way. Uh, to <laughs> Jeff Dunham fans who have listened and gotten this far without getting angry, but I feel like half half of our listenership are like diehard Dunham heads. <laughs> like, I saw his name with a Google alert and I started listening. <laughs> Uh, no, but I, I legitimately, I thought, you know, he's a very talented person and he's obviously, obviously monetized this in such a way, but, you know, at what cost? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like the amount of disrespect. Oh, I, I hate this about especially heterosexual comedians like white dudes tim allen is a good example of this yeah yeah. but like people who just love this is a phenomenon of them loving hating their spouse and talking shit about them walter's wife is such a bitch right but you know that's jeff dunham talking about his wife (laughs) is it i feel like he probably took specific things that his wife did and like turned it into an old woman doing it but like sure. that, I hate the I hate the trope of the ball and chain. It's like if, yeah, you, yeah, if yeah. you really hate your spouse so bad, why are you with them? Because in right. in my eyes, I mean, I'm not a married person. You're a married person, but I don't want to hate the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Neither do I. Right, and there are ups and downs, of course, but you don't talk shit about them to other people. You know, that's like you hold it in. And you go to therapy, okay? You don't go and tell, you know, the 3,500-seat theater that, you know, your your wife drives a gay Prius. Like, that's so right. weird. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, if there was... I'm trying to think of, like, people I've worked with. And, um, yeah, I can't think of a single person I've worked with that has ever been like, oh, my wife is a real bitch. Because yeah. I'd be like... I'd be like, dude, is everything okay? <laughs> well, the interesting part is that uh, there are people who, of course, make the content that say, like, oh, I hate my spouse, the old ball and chain. But then there's the people who laugh at it, and they're like, yeah, my wife's a bitch. You know, it's like, no. But, like, I feel like because he's saying it through a puppet, we're like, that's okay. It's just this, like, ornery puppet. Right, and that's that's the whole shtick, is it's like, we're going to say these stupid things, 
And again, not even like not offensive, well, not taboo, not boundary pushing, just stupid. It's so bad. But it's through a puppet. Hey, by the way, uh, Nadia, I uh, have written in my notes here: marriage is an institution. So is Alcatraz. <laughs> Applause break. I, when you say it with the disdain in your voice, it's ten times better than the actual special. Uh, uh, Ugh, so so sad. we should probably talk about Ahmed. Oh, it's sad. I have a friend. I have a Middle Eastern friend I love very much. And yeah. I told him that I was watching this special and he said, <laughs> he said, he said, I hate Jeff Dunham. Lampoon that hack. I mean, the obvious most problematic character is the terrorist skeleton because frankly, yeah. I don't get it. But the puppets are so fucking unsettling and ugly and he's not even a good ventriloquist. <laughs> From the mouths um, of a Middle Eastern man. <laughs> uh, so Ahmed the dead terrorist is a skeleton of a terrorist. <sighs> he, he has big bulgy eyes. He's wearing a turban. He's got a big beard, and he speaks in basically the accent that Eminem used on the Relapse album that he later <laughs> disowned. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, and he and, has an accent that makes me think that the only Middle Eastern person that Jeff Dunham has ever come into contact with is when he watched Aladdin. Right. It's it's the it's the guy who I think was voiced by Robin Williams, the guy who sings Arabian Nights at the beginning of Aladdin. Yes! The guy's like, also make Julian fries. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, just exactly. like that guy. Jeff Dunham is like, well, I'm 10 minutes in. I don't need to watch anymore. Yeah, it's like, we got it. Um, <laughs> it also bears mentioning, um, Spark of Insanity was the first appearance of Ahmed the Dead Terrorist. Oh, the um, premiere. Yeah, and, and is... Likely the reason uh, the special was as successful as it was. Um, I do want to tell one quick story before we get into Ahmed's jokes because, folks, they are they are there, those jokes. <laughs> um, uh, three or four months ago, earlier in 2018, I was um, in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, uh, which is a place that people in Chicago go for vacation if they are too cheap to fly somewhere. Mm. Uh, so it's a nice little uh, resort town and they got like little, uh, little mom and pop shops and little cabins and stuff like that. Uh, I went to a gift shop. Uh, it was real hacky touristy shit. <laughs> um, and there were a lot of like real hacky touristy t-shirts and real shitty t-shirts. Like, you know, the ones I'm talking about, the ones that, that have like, uh, that have like a man with a ball and chain on and it's like got married game over or whatever <laughs> happy honeymoon there's, guys <laughs> there yeah there's a lot of like um there's a lot of like outline there it's wisconsin it's a red state so there's a lot of like outline of america with like fuck off we're full on it like type stuff you know real nasty like um the worst of humanity type stuff yeah like jeff dunham um, fans who are at the show and but... then there is a shirt with Ahmed the Dead Terrorist no! on it in, in 2018 no! uh, that just says, silence, I kill you. Oh, uh, the catchphrase, under. the catchphrase that I never <laughs> wish could have been. Why? Um, so that is um, Ahmed's main catchphrase, by the way, is whenever the audience laughs, he he lurches out at them 
uh, and raises his eyebrows. He has big, bushy eyebrows, which is unusual for a skeleton. And he uh, and he says, uh, silence, I kill you. I'm not going to do the accent. No, you shouldn't. I mean, it's not even accurate, so it's fine. <laughs> but whatever. It did sound a little Mexican at some points. Yeah, well, we'll get to we'll get to the Mexican puppet later. Which I almost turned it off at ten minutes because I was like, I can't make it through the last ten minutes, and it was the Mexican puppet, and I'm glad I stayed. <laughs> but anyway, so Ahmed uh, spelled A C Flem Flem. Applause break. M E D. Applause break. Yeah. Applause break is how it's spelled. A C Flem. Applause break. Applause, applause break. break, M-E-D, yeah. Oh, it was a nightmare. Uh, he So Ahmed uh, was a terrorist in his living life, but he set the timer wrong on the bomb, and uh, it was supposed to be for 30 minutes, but he set it for four seconds, and then he died. And now he's... Applause break. <laughs> and now he's uh, hanging out on Jeff Dunham's hand. <laughs> That's literally his backstory. <laughs> There's, uh, but again, this is some real, like, speaking truth to power stuff. Um, (laughs) Saddam's mustard gas was nothing compared to Walter's farting. Oh, yeah, because they share a suitcase. He's, uh, he's all bones, like Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, some 72 virgin jokes type stuff. Some pedophilia. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the, um, the bomb going off. He says he suffered from premature detonation. Uh, and then he turned. He turns to Dunham, and he's like, "You know what that's like, right?" Applause break. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another uh, callback to the Blue Prius because we haven't wrung every single fucking joke out of the Blue Prius. No, no, yet. no, not at all. Uh, what uh, you forgot the 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 talking bad about the Jews though? That's the first mention of the Jews. <laughs> well, he gets he gets both Jews and he gets Catholics in there too. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, fun. You know, he's an equal opportunity offender, Jeff Dunham, and that's what makes it okay. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like he had some sort of outline that was like, okay, so during the Middle Eastern accent special uh, section, I'm going to make fun of Jews, pedophiles, and Bill Clinton. And then <laughs> under the Melvin the Superhero, we're going to talk about this. Like, I feel like he actually spread it out so everybody got a little bit of love. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I actually, um, I do have a quote from Jeff Dunham they uh, used in an interview that I would like to share with oh, you. Oh, please. Um, so the character of Ahmed the dead terrorist uh, is banned in South Africa oh! uh, for being offensive to Muslims nice. and depicting all people of Arab descent as terrorists. Wow. Dunham's, uh, <laughs> if only they did that yeah. here. Right. Dunham's uh, response makes me think that he's a totally cool guy that I want to hang out with. Oh, my God. Uh, which is, quote, I've skewered whites, blacks, Hispanics, Christians, Jews, Muslims, gays, straights, rednecks, addicts, the elderly, and my wife. As a stand-up comic, it is my job to make the majority of people laugh, and I believe that comedy is the last true form of free speech. So, the the kind of guy that, like, five minutes into a conversation at a party, you decide to just leave the entire party. <laughs> like, not even talk to someone else, but just be like, this event can't be fun for me anymore. Yeah. I mean, people who are like, I mean, Jerry Seinfeld is one of these people at this point, but people who are like, you can't be funny if you're not offensive, need to fuck off. Because it's not true. There are so many good comedians who don't have to be offensive to a specific race or a specific gender or whatever 
that. Right. And that when they when they make jokes or, or push boundaries, <laughs> the the target of that, you know, is usually people in a position of power. Oh, it's or so much privilege, better that way. Yeah. Which is which is funnier. <laughs> Yeah. Because that's fewer people. Right. And, and, and we're all in on it instead of just right. like a select few. I don't know. I, I When he was kind of like going in on Bill Clinton, I was like, okay, like I can see how that's funny. Like it was 2007. Everyone's kind of annoyed with Bush at this point, but they won't admit it. Yeah. And they so they were like, oh, yeah, uh, Ahmed was in D.C., obviously. And he's like, oh, I saw the Washington Monument. I didn't know they made a tribute to Bill Clinton. And I was like, oh, okay. Again, truth to power. Truth yeah, to power. yeah. So I was like, cool. Like he now he's going in for like politics. That's going to be fun and interesting. And then the last joke of the Ahmed special <laughs> section, and it was a Bush joke, but not the Bush you're thinking. He said, "I love Bush," and Jeff Dunham's like, "All right, all right, all right." And then he put him away because he was talking about vagina Bush. <laughs> like that was it. That was the big finish. Yeah, that's that's the um, that was the black outline was. Uh, yes, I love Bush. Oh, you mean the president? Like, like a joke that like brought down the a house. seventh grader. Wrote. Yeah, no, it brought down and, the house. Yeah, fucking destroyed it, with this crap. I mean, so much so that Ackman went away. But we had to go to a different puppet. Uh, puppet number three, Melvin, the superhero guy. Also, his first appearance. <sighs> um in spark of insanity Th- this one uh is a at first <laughs> a little tougher to hate um but then he eventually becomes very easy to do hate. you mean like uh, the first minute when he was doing yeah. the fart jokes and you're like haha and then he goes in on pointing out a woman's breasts in the front seat i thought what was very interesting was there was like Oh, so, sorry, so let's back I was like, that up. happened really quickly. Melvin is, like, basically a kid with crossed eyes and a giant nose in a superhero costume. Right. Um, and he, uh, <laughs> and he, like, speaks in, like, this kind of soft-spoken, funny voice, and that's basically the entire joke. Um, so but he's a perf. Dunham, he's a perf. But he's a he's also a perv because Dunham asks like his superpowers and he can see through things. It's like, oh, Melvin, can you see through clothes? And Melvin, as it as it turns out, can. And folks, let me just say, so far up to this point, if you've been watching the special, you're like, holy get, holy holy shit! There's no <laughs> line that Dunham will not cross. He's he's pushing every button. He is saying the things every other comic is scared to say, and now he has a puppet saying, I love boobies. Yeah, and then they cut to this woman in a low-cut top. She looks very uncomfortable and then looks upset, and then they cut away, and we never see her again. But they That's what talking. I thought was really interesting. That's what I thought was really interesting. There was only one reaction shot. Uh, they never came back to her. They went on and on and on and on and on, and they never showed her again. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. That was so mean. She probably felt so uncomfortable. I would have left. Yeah. But they never showed her. Yeah, it was... How is that okay? Um, it was super, super uncomfortable. And I thought it was... Because re- he, he talks... To, he, he... Like, this is basically, like, very light crowd work Melvin is doing. That's basically... <laughs> that woman has big tits, and so does that one. Right. Um, we, we see the first woman once for half a second on the reaction shot... And never see her again. We never see the second woman at all. Um, and it's just, 
a really weird way to approach crowd work if you're directing a comedy special to not show the crowd and i bet you it's because uh, they were pissed <laughs> yeah it's because they were pissed i mean it would have to be well i want to i want to screenshot that moment that girl got really upset and i want to post it on our facebook so that we can, oh. we can talk about it by all means <laughs> because the the moment that they cut away her face kind of went slack she was like ha 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 oh no and then it cut and that was a funny moment because of the way it, because I see it in a different way. Because I'm like, just like, ah, yeah, that was she's a funny pissed. moment for you, right? Because she was pissed. I was right. like, she's gonna go off, but she never got shown on camera after that. And I was like, oh no, this actually feels very wrong. I wanted there to be a moment where maybe she said something, or I mean, that would have been a great bit, or maybe he even planted someone to say something. Who knows? But they didn't. Uh, speaking of misogyny, uh, <laughs> there is another uh, great joke uh, where Jeff Dunham asks Melvin, who is married, the puppet is married. Right. Uh, Jeff Dunham asks Melvin if his wife has powers, and he says, yes, once a month she becomes evil and I cannot defeat her. Uh, ah, applause break. Applause break. So, uh other great jokes from this bit from this set by the way um is <laughs> one one that uh that really really resonated with me today i uh, like in this day and age is melvin saying i think the president should curse uh a bomb h bomb time for him to drop the f bomb which again gets an applause break and in my head i'm like melvin just you wait <laughs> I, I i thought that there was more to the joke no, there there wasn't. I think it was just like, you know how we say bomb after some letters? Jeez. Well, I mean, if he's not, you know, making offensive jokes about race, he's definitely fat shaming people because there was a whole bit about Rosie O'Donnell. Rosie O'Donnell in 2007! It was old then! Yeah, yeah. And the, one of the punchlines was, looks like a job for Slim Fast. Applause break. And there was a there was also a reference to the television program Cops. Uh, oh yeah, uh, again, which I think is probably still on actually. But um, but like that's not a that's that wasn't in the zeitgeist in 07. But what the hell do I know? <laughs> this is a man who makes his living with puppets and he makes thirty million a year. God damn. Oh it. my god, it's so wild. You know, it's really funny though. The only moment that I felt was like an uh, an actual moment of honesty was when Melvin's wig came off. Yeah, I was wondering what you thought about that. I wrote, Jeff Dunham used wig. It was effective. Because <laughs> the crowd went wild. Yeah. Do you think it was planned? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so, but... I I don't think so, but I'm not 100% sure. I don't remember what he said afterward. He said, that kind of sucked. Okay, well then I feel like... He's so bad. He, if he was a good comedian, he could have improvised something so that we would think it was a scripted moment. Right. But he's not, so it wasn't. <laughs> but it was like the only moment where I felt like it wasn't so contrived. Yeah. Well, I mean, I have to say, I don't really know if the audience was really laughing as much as we think they were or if it was edited in post they they go to individual people obviously and like the, the applause breaks and things like that but i don't really know if it's i don't know what the truth is 
I I can't imagine. I like if I think about. So I'm just stunned. Because, <laughs> like co- this this is a Comedy Central stand-up special. They've produced what a million of these. Sure. Um, even by 2007, they had produced a ton of these. Comedy Central Presents was still cranking out, you know, a dozen specials a year, and they were doing many more hour-long specials. Um, like, why would they add so much laughter to this one and not, like, a good one? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I feel like Jeff Dunham got his Comedy Central show because of the success of this, this, uh, what was it, the hat? It was an hour special, right? It yeah, felt like hour. four hours, okay? But th- I feel like if it was an hour special, they were like, well, we have to make sure that the energy stays up, so we need to keep doing these applause breaks. Because none of this is actually funny. Like, I've like I've been to a taping right. before. Yeah. And, like, Nobody laughs you bring out... <laughs> yeah, you bring out one guy as an opener, like, just to warm everybody up. Right. But, like, they don't tell... Like, they don't tell you, hey, make sure you break into applause... At every joke. <laughs> I feel like maybe he had 40 minutes of material and they had to stretch it out to an hour. That's entirely possible. <laughs> but Comedy Central, you can pad that shit with commercials. That's true. Sorry, I'm just, sorry, I'm just, I'm just. I just don't, I just don't get it. I don't, I. I'm completely befuddled. Yeah, I am flabbergasted. Uh, also, uh, Melvin thinks that Jeff Dunham is gay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, he drives a blue Prius. Because he drives a blue Prius. Uh, <laughs> Melvin, I have a wife and kids. So does Tom Cruise. That one actually was probably timely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Funny, I don't know. That's up to the listener. But <laughs> for me, not really. Well, I the, the, cool, the coolest puppet was Peanut, which comes out after Melvin, the superhero. Yes. And the crowd, who we have already talked about at length, how nuts they went for every joke the crowd fucking blows the roof off the theater when peanut comes yeah out. and all peanut really does is just say jeff dunham's url over and over that's it and over. he's just repeating jeff dunham's website that's it that's the only joke that's the only joke i cannot believe that is so wild to me just say jeff dunham.com like 20 times like a true capitalist that's it <laughs> Yeah, the uh, it, what's interesting about Peanut um, is mechanic. For, first of all, Peanut has been in Dunham's act for maybe twenty five years. Really? Oh my god! Yeah. Well, what's a woozle? Wazzle? Woozle. Uh, it's never explained, but Peanut's just like this purple, furry, uh, muppety looking thing. He is much less. Because he's an older puppet, I think, he is much less mechanically complex than the previous three puppets. Walter, Melvin, Ahmed all had eyebrows. They had eyes that moved side to side. Peanut is basically a giant sock puppet. Right. Um, but it allows Jeff Dunham to do a lot more interesting um, stuff. Uh, uh, just like interesting. Having, him do, having him do a lot of more motion with the head and with the arm. Um, and also, like, what I think is most interesting, um, a lot of rapid fire back and forth in the dialogue yeah that's cool i feel like that is very well rehearsed it's great yes um but i wish peanut i don't actually wish this but i kind of wish peanut had more to say than jeffafa dunham dot com (laughs) that was really nice uh the as far as directing goes 
there were moments where the camera would just kind of cut to a close-up of the puppet's reaction to what Jeff Dunham would say, and there would just be silence and laughter, and then it would cut back to Jeff Dunham, and then back to the to Peanut, and then back to Jeff Dunham, and then back to Peanut, and I'm just like, are the what are the people in the audience doing? Because this is obviously a, a visual joke to extend time. Yes. Yes, but I've been asking, I've been asking what are people in the audience doing for the past hour? <laughs> That's true. Like, I, I like mean, why are they still there? Why didn't they leave? Is, is Peanut a monkey? He's, I, I assume he's some sort of alien monster thing. It doesn't really matter. He's just, in contrast to the previous three puppets, he is very loud and very, um, uh, just fast talking and very, uh, very uh, energetic. I yeah, think. and racist because he did an impression of a and Japanese person. Extremely rude. That yeah. was really bad. Also, there was a bit about the the like going over your head and going, Phew. which apparently is his catchphrase. Oh, because the audience knew it and they applauded for it. Jesus Christ! Like, this is a whole other like, world. There's that peanut shit that I love. You know, like, when you're on the internet and you discover a new meme? And yes. it's been a part of a some sort of subculture that is, like, kind for of... For years. For years. For years. Like, I'm going to say even a tasteless subculture. Like, I mean, no offense to any furries out there, but that subculture is pretty wild as far as the fan art goes. <laughs> like, let's say, you know, you discover something like that, and you're just like, oh, there's a whole other world out there. And then you're kind of stunned and unsettled for a couple of days. Like, that's how I feel after this. It's like, so there's a whole I... other world, and I'm unsettled by the people who find this funny. I, I know you saw this, but yesterday, my uh, a friend of mine from college joined Twitter, like, for the first time. Ooh. And <laughs> don't do I it. I, yeah, don't do it, guys. <laughs> I consider it uh, one of the proudest accomplishments of my life is that the first day I sent him the wife email just to be <laughs> like, here's your fucking orientation packet to Twitter. Uh, that's so bad. That is... <laughs> I, I kind of want to just be like, don't like, really, don't do it. Like, there, read some books. Like, do you want to start a yeah. book club? Because there's there's so many good books out there, guys. Yeah, Dave Eggers, <laughs> no! David Foster Wallace. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know. I, I gotta say, uh, usually when I watch things like this for our podcast, I get really mad, and then I'm like, why does Tony make me do this? And then I'm like, ah, oh, it's fun. But like, when I was getting towards the end, I really didn't think that I could make it all the way through. And at about 10 minutes before it was over, <laughs> I stopped and made myself some lunch and kind of like watched Younger, which is an actual good TV show. And I was just like, all right, well, I have to either have the courage to tell Tony I didn't finish this fucking set or I have the courage to actually sit through it. And boy, was I glad because <laughs> Jose the Jalapeno. <laughs> on a stick. Everybody loves those jokes about him being on a stick. Yeah, there's a lot of jokes. Okay, so let, let, let me just, sorry, let me set the, let me paint a word picture. Uh, okay. Jeff Dunham's talking to Peanut. Peanut's still out. Peanut's being operated by Jeff Dunham's right hand. Then <laughs> Jeff reaches into the suitcase with his left hand, grabs Jose Jalapeno on a stick. <laughs> he is a, he is a, anthropomorphic jalapeno just a face on a jalapeno wearing a sombrero 
on a stick. It's actually more of a pasilla pepper because jalapenos are really small, but whatever. See, that's why you're co-hosting. That's exactly <laughs> what we need, is we need clarity around what kind of pepper uh, Jose is. He's a pepper that but wears a sombrero and has a mustache. He's he's operated yeah oh god he has a mustache he's operated by the stick basically dunham can only move his mouth Mm -hmm. um he has no arms or legs um i would uh i feel his accent was really offensive what do you think oh it was terrible uh he called himself hef which is latino for jeff apparently uh and 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 peanut said (laughs) and uh peanut said Hey, I thought we were in America, and we speak freaking English. Applause break. (laughs) And that applause break was very uncomfortable. It was really long. (laughs) Like, and and Peanut's like, oh, you know, how come I can't find any of your accent marks on a freaking keyboard? And, like, the audience ate that up, and, like, like, this is is where I start to get worried about about this is where you start coming. to get worried <laughs> jeez i've been no i, I had to watch this in I increments <laughs> i don't mean i don't mean uh in the special i've been worried about the special since before i watched oh, it oh, oh. i mean like oh about Pe- like jose I, yeah i i mean like i'm worried about jose but i'm also worried you know like you said in that review with that review earlier like it's like you shouldn't judge jeff dunham fans because uh, they like different things than you. Right. Um, other people are more offensive. And you see a crowd of people cheering at We Speak Freaking English. And those are people we should judge. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, he said that, you know, with most of the stuff that he was making fun of was just like how things are spelled. So he was like, yeah. yeah, you know that if you want to say jalapeno instead of jalapeno, which is like the exact same sound, he didn't even like make the effort to say jalapeno. Like he just said jalapeno. I was just like, Jeff Dunham is so fucking lazy. He can't even mispronounce anything correctly. And and he said, uh, yeah, these symbols are only available by the magic language of the Mexicans. And everyone's like, ah! <laughs> And then, of course, he asked if the jalapeno was legal. Um, there was, yeah, which, again, especially seen through the lens of today. Are you legal? Are you legal? Are you legal? Are you legal? 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 Are you legal? Are you legal? That's a quote from the special. That That's Peanut speaking, yeah. Um, although, uh, Jose said, my green card is in my other stick, uh, which is... Which is kind of funny. The I every pun that is about being on a stick or being a pepper, um, <laughs> like that's what I came here for. Like yeah, of I course just, yeah. I just want something stupid that's like, are you here on a work visa? He's here on a stick. Like yeah, and then and then that's later funny he's like, he's already here. <laughs> like <laughs> le- right. uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um. The the where's the nearest Home Depot joke got the biggest laugh. Oh Jesus laugh. fucking Christ! It got the biggest laugh, and I was the most uncomfortable. Um, and then you know he wraps up the whole special by making a prison rape joke, and then the whole thing is over. And then I'm just like, what did I just watch? You watched one of the most successful comedy specials of all time. <sighs> I've said this before. 
I don't like to prejudge people. I'm pr- I'm prone to being prejudiced for sure. Uh, when it comes to certain people who just kind of like live up to the expectations that I have of them. And I was sad that a ventriloquist could be so racist. <laughs> when my other experience with a ventriloquist was Mr. Pee and all he really had to do was just go to the bathroom. Yeah, like Mr. Pee wasn't racist. No, he was just, you know, he just had a lot of problems with his bladder. So- right, which is, that's an illness. That's like, that's not his fault. Right, right. So, yeah. uh, I don't know. I I definitely wouldn't recommend this to anybody (laughs) no absolutely not um i feel like uh my picks have kind of um really tested the limits of our friendship (laughs) (laughs) i know it's interesting uh so i will um i will try to do a better job no 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 it's fine you know what because our goal is to analyze things that were successful and that shaped culture at that time and now we know they probably should have known better uh, yeah. But in, in this case, I, I found a, a review from Texas Monthly that oh, please, I thought yes. was really funny. Um, it's actually a, re- a review for his book. It's hard to find okay. reviews of the actual stand-up special. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. Okay. So this is from Texas Monthly. This article is uh, entitled, He's No Dummy. Ventriloquist Jeff Dunham has made a lot of enemies and millions of dollars reviving some very old stereotypes. Uh, <laughs> the first sentence that I wanted to cry over was, quote, The thing is, Dunham doesn't seem like a bad guy, or even particularly bigoted. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we have a lot of video evidence to suggest otherwise. Yeah, the jokes his puppets tell are more tired cliches than incendiary hate speech. Even even his straight man reactions aren't so much appalled as embarrassed, which seems about right. For all his critics' anger, Dunham's act isn't suffused with racism. It's more like nostalgia. For a magical time when Americans spoke English, the phrase Christian morals was redundant and gay jokes were as acceptable as smoking while pregnant. A world that looks a lot like, say, Richardson circa the 70s. I don't know who they're talking about. Uh, and as a devoted, square, savvy entertainer, and above all else, astute businessman, Dunham will keep trying to preserve that world for as long as audiences keep laughing along. I just love the idea that Christian morals and pregnant women smoking go hand in hand. <laughs> Can you believe that? That, that Jesus review fucking was written Christ. in 2010. Ugh. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> um. It's like, you know who the good old days weren't uh, good for is, like, most people. Right! Like, so, so maybe maybe the good old days, maybe we should rethink, like, man, I wish pregnant women could smoke again, and <laughs> you just didn't have to press one for English. <laughs> That's because we speak English in America. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, um, I do want to provide a real quick update on um, some new puppets. Oh, uh, cool. All right. Uh, so Jeff Dunham, uh, as I've said before, uh, creates his own puppets. Um, there is a special feature on the DVD of this special where you can see uh, kind of his process in creating Melvin. Yikes. Um, but uh, some new ones. Uh, there's Bubba, who is Bubba J, I think, uh, who is kind of a, a stereotypical redneck uh, type figure. He actually appears uh, with Dunham in an episode of 30 Rock. Um, oh my god 
uh, I think it's the final season where they go to Stone Mountain, Georgia to scout talent from the heartland. Uh, and it's it's Jeff Dunham performing with Bubba J uh, is the headliner there. Um, there is uh, Sweet Daddy D, who is a black pimp character, uh... Uh, which is good because, like, you know, with the special we just talked about, you're like, yeah, there's stereotypes, but there's none of the classics. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. Um, and then the newest character, and this is uh, coming from a review of Dunham's current tour, uh, from Star 102.5, Central Iowa's Best Variety. Hello. Uh, Dunham also introduced a new character to his show in Bob, uh, a personal advisor to the president, Donald Trump. The puppet was built to look stressed and nervous, wearing a loose-fitting, unkempt suit. So I'm guessing this is like a kind of a an exaggerated Sean Spicer type, mm, okay. who's kind of this hapless, like, trying to hold it together, but lives and in a hell world and works for the people who make it a hell world. Right. But yeah, just kind of keeping you updated. He's still creating, you know, he's still getting out I mean, there. is that something to celebrate? <laughs> well, I'm going to read you a review from my favorite writer from the internet. His name is Gabe Delahaye. He wrote for okay. Video Gum when Video Gum was up. Uh, okay. Rest in peace. Uh, rest in peace. His, my favorite articles of his were uh, about Goop the Gwyneth Paltrow website. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan. And I, I was lucky enough to find one of his reviews of the Jeff Dunham show on Comedy Central. Uh, the whole article okay. is amazing, and I'm going to post it on our Facebook page. But Please do. Gabe is, he can write things that you're thinking that you didn't know you were thinking. Uh, but here's what he said. He said, uh, quote, this show will probably be a huge success for Comedy Central. Whatever. Just another thing that we will have to explain to our grandchildren. Sorry about how we live underwater now, and sorry that everyone, anyone ever found Jeff Dunham even remotely amusing. The truth, Holy shit. The truth is that Comedy Central should be ashamed of itself for airing this show. Jeff Dunham is an afterthought compared to the dangerous legitimacy that the cable network is providing for his ideas, or the suggestion that what he's doing is even comedy in the first place. Because it's not. Just like spraying people with fire hoses before setting attack dogs on them is not treating them as equals. Holy shit. I know. The only hope I can find in this whole mess is the fact that Jeff Dunham is hugely successful and finally got his own show, and the best celebrity guest he could find was Brooke Hogan. (laughs) 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 I never watched his show, but I kind of want to now that Brooke Hogan's going to be on it. (laughs) In 2010. (laughs) Yeah, the the, the show got canceled after, like, six episodes. Oh, shut up, really? (laughs) Yeah, huge... Huge premiere, but with a significant fall-off. I want to say it was Gabe's review that got it canceled. Because this I it's so. one of the best reviews I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah, this was a period when most of the original programming Comedy Central lost, uh, Comedy Central launched, did six episodes, and got canceled. Uh... Um, it wasn't until, like, 2012, and they got new programming directors, and they they got, like, Key and Peele. And, you um, mean good shit, they, yeah. Yeah, good shit. They made, like, <laughs> Review with Andy Daly and... Uh, Nathan for you, which is perhaps the funniest show ever made, uh, <laughs> and 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 just um, they weren't there yet. Right, right, right. Um, well, I'm curious to see if you found any reviews for the actual special because I didn't. I actually did, um, but not any that are like 
particularly noteworthy. There's there's one that I think you'll find funny. This is um, from a website called denofgeek.com. Ooh, I'm already on board. The uh, writer's name is Jenny Sanders, uh, and she writes about the special quote. It's potentially offensive if you have particularly religious sensitivities or you're perhaps a vehement feminist. Uh, <laughs> but for anybody else, it's just funny. Mm. Dunham lacks the arrogance displayed by some stand-up comics, and I can think of several names who should be standing up. Mm-hmm. His delivery is masterful, and you get the impression that he could take any random sentence and make it funny by putting a certain tone on a couple of words. The main feature, <laughs> uh, which includes the like the special on the making of um, his puppets and stuff like that, the main feature clocks in at a full two hours. I enjoyed this and watched it twice in an afternoon. Twice! She watched it twice! Why? All two hours. Oh my god. <laughs> what do you... It felt like two hours, but it actually runs only an hour and like 18 minutes, right? Yeah, it's an hour 20, something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, it does feel much longer, but I think not for the same reasons. <laughs> um, um, it's bad. <laughs> it's, it's bad. Folks, uh, I think we've said this about every single film except in and out uh, It's bad. Don't watch yeah, it. Yeah, well, I, I wanted to find a little of Common Sense Media's reviews. Um, oh, please, because yes. I feel like they always have really good stuff. Um. So, th- again, I couldn't find it for Spark of Insanity, but I did find it for the Jeff Dunham show. The uh, promotional image is of Peanut holding Jose the Jalapeno and, okay. obviously, Jeff Dunham holding both of them. So, it's uh, it looks like a kid-friendly kind of image. Um, but here here's what parents need to know. Parents need to know that this comedy series showcases the talents, talents of ventriloquist Jeff Dunham... <laughs> And his collection of sidekick puppet characters, including a crotchety old man, a cadaverous terrorist skeleton, and a beer-swilling redneck. The jokes range from tame situational comedy to slightly racist and sexist cracks. Who Slightly. There's also moderate swearing and some sexual innuendo, all of which means that Dunham's act is better suited, suited for older viewers than their kids. Uh, the, the parents' reviews were just, were just, it was just a little more lame. It was just like, it's mostly for adult. Um, but adult wrote, I used to enjoy the show, but when he said, God damn, that changed it for me. Seems every time yeah. I see him, his language is more vulgar and they didn't even bleep the word on TV. Then after all this happened with suicide bombings, he now makes that a part of his show and that's just wrong. In no shape or form is that funny. He's going to end up saying something about gays, which he's added more of. And I have a chihuahua as a service dog. <laughs> I mean, and, so I have, hold on, like, hold on. there's, like, follow-up quite. Okay, sorry, you're not done. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I have a chihuahua as a service dog and a few jokes. Okay. But he went on and on about how awful it is to have a chihuahua. He's digging himself right in the ground. <laughs> Fame has got to his head. And there's more that isn't funny than funny. So I quit watching him. Fame has gone way over his head. I love to watch him at the beginning, but I'm through watching him now. <laughs> he really, he really hit a nerve for the Chihuahua owners of Jesus. the United States. It's- It's 
not funny. Service dogs aren't funny, but just the way that she's. I think indignant chihuahua <laughs> service dog owners who post. Oh. I think they are funny. Oh my god, that's so funny. Uh, well, I mean, it's a very earnest, because I, I, I mean, I'm around chihuahuas a lot, because I, I know someone who has them, and so when he said chihuahua, I immediately got a little defensive. I was just like, hey, they're small, they need us to protect them. <laughs> he, was, he was just going in hard, but it's fine. I mean, if, we t- if the only takeaway is, is that, you know, it's okay to make fun of chihuahuas, but nothing else that he talked about, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that, you know, we got there. Yeah. Um. I have um, I have three uh, short quotes that I want to read to just kind of close out the show, <laughs> okay. uh, and they are from uh, comedians. Uh, two of them are from comedians we've already talked about uh, today. Um, but when I started watching this special, because I knew Ahmed the Dead Terrorist was a big part of it, I wanted to do this research on comedy after 9-11 i want to be like how do we do comedy about scary things how do we do comedy um in a scary time um how do we who do we make fun of and how do we what are we trying to accomplish okay and so um robin williams has this quote they did uh, in an interview and he says uh quote you know if you go back in history to the fool who is usually a dwarf or a deformed person, by the way. The fool's, the fool's purpose was to point out to the king himself all the king's foibles and weaknesses, and as best he could make the king go ha-ha about them. Mm-hmm. His job was to remind the king, you were not a god, end quote. Now, I don't... It, I think Robin Williams took a, a grander view of what comedy could do than perhaps I do. Um, so another, the second quote here is from Stephen Colbert who I think is a little closer to how I view the role of comedy in scary times. Okay. Uh, And this was right after the correspondence dinner, and he was asked, you, your jokes, and this comic character, they're part of the narrative of American politics. You know, what do you think about that? And, And he said, quote, I don't know whether I accept that. I don't accept that responsibility because I don't accept any responsibility for anything I do, but I also don't know if I accept that premise. I think my work is influential in this regard. I can make people feel better at times about something that might otherwise make them feel sick. But I don't know if that's the same thing as changing their minds. Ooh, um, Stephen Colbert is so wise. He's he's very wise. I think that's, I, I, I really like that. The idea that, yes, you can make people feel better and that's important. But like, you know, Stephen Colbert made fun of George W. Bush at the correspondence dinner and George W. Bush didn't change anything about his policy, right? right? And nobody would have expected him to. Right. But this lo- this last quote, I think, is what comedy does at its best. Um, this from this is actually a female comic saying this. Uh, she says, "What's quote, her name?" Uh, no, we'll get to okay. that. Um, she says, "Quote: I want to do the right thing with my beliefs. I want to encourage the youth to be fighters, uh, and that's pretty cool because old people don't usually do that. They tell them to shut up." But I'm going to be that other type of grandma going, let's tear this thing down. You know, talking to kids who are cheering like sons of bitches. I'm like, Jesus, this is what my fame can do? Encourage warriors and thinkers? What a great reward to encourage people who think and want the world to be better. Ooh, who was um, that? It's, it, it's really moving until until you learn that that's Roseanne Barr. No! Uh, <laughs> 
And uh, <laughs> that's probably a good place to end the show. So, uh, oh, no. folks, no, wait, wait, wait. Uh, probably should have. Wait, no. hold on. Before before we do, I do have to ask. <laughs> yeah. Did you laugh genuinely at anything? Oh, that's right. Um, I did. There was one joke I laughed at. Did you Did you um, record which one it was? I did. Let me uh, let me go back in my notes. This was uh, Walter told it. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, what made me laugh was. Oh, here it is. Um, Walter's talking about his wife and how he got into an argument with her. And uh, and he was like, uh, I was so sick of this argument. But then I thought to myself, what would Jesus do? So I tried to turn her into a fish. And <laughs> of like, course it was the Catholic comedy that got it, you, it, dude. It, <laughs> it, part of it was the Catholic thing. But also, like, it was just really fucking weird. And, like... <laughs> Not the punchline I was expecting. Uh, and it really uh, kind of made me laugh. That's a good one. I like that. Uh, I laughed one time. Okay. And that was uh, looking at the font at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed no other times. Uh, also, I did my part and I took a look to see uh, if there were any people of color that were um, depicted in this special uh yeah so there's Ahmed so you count him yeah totally and uh there were actually two people in the audience that were people of color Mm -hmm. got me very excited uh was confused as to why they were laughing so hard (laughs) but I don't know that uh, there was a little bit of representation there so no nobody can say well only a certain type of person likes Jeff Dunham because that's not necessarily true no, I'm going to say it. <laughs> we need to come up with some sort of scale from like from in and out to Jeff Dunham, how bad is it? <laughs> this this is not the worst thing we want. Bringing down the house is still the I'm worst sorry, thing sorry, I'm sorry. From in and out to bringing down the house, where does bring where does house. Jeff Dunham's special lie? Uh, I would say um, that's a really so. Let's say bringing down the house is a zero, and uh, what was it? In and out is like a five. We'll call it that. Okay. Um. So this was bad, and it was racist. <laughs> but the puppets were awesome. Were operated very well. So maybe a two. I'd probably give this a Whoa, two. Whoa! I was gonna say a point five. <laughs> Maybe one and a half. Take me to one and a wow. half. Wow. Okay, okay, that's fair. That's fair. All right, well, I feel like that's a pretty good scale that we've come up with that we're going to be using yeah. officially moving forward. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. You guys are really nice. So if you want to find us on Twitter, probably should have, P-R-O-L-L-Y-S-H-O-U-L-D-A. We have a Facebook. You can also follow that. Um, yeah, that's it. We'll see you uh, in two weeks. Bye. Bye.